my piece of advice would be to stop living in judgment um stop living in others judgment which i think we kind of queued up before we did um but i think that's something that's so important in your 20s in general no matter what it's around yeah i would say that's my one piece of advice because i think the moment i stopped living in fear of what other people are going to say about me is the moment that i embarked on this journey of like finding who i am which sounds so cheesy All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of China in Our 20s. My name's Pallavi. And my name is Sharon. How are you doing, Pallavi? I'm doing all right. I am hoping that the audio this time is okay because you know, know. last time <laughs> it was humiliating because like we have a system established at this point. So it's not like we go back and immediately check. and like we recording just like wasn't in the cards for us cuz we I were know. traveling and then mm-hmm. now I'm traveling so it's like we got to we're we doing work with what we have exactly and that's what I was going to say you know what like I was like we're allowed to give ourselves some grace and this is how we learn and at the end of the day like like you said life happens life is happening exactly thank you to all of those who remained loyal during this <laughs> you know for I real could. for real though and no at the end of the day though like i think that's part of our journey of being in our 20s right is us trying to do it all but um i'm excited about our topic today oh my goodness before i do that see this is what i mean this is what's happening what are you sipping on today polavi absolutely nothing <laughs> that's so disappointing like i literally didn't even like wait do you see me i don't have anything either i was oh! going to say i was going to say nothing <laughs> it's a it's a little that's a little sad i think there i had two coffees today okay i'll tell you what i did drink today okay, how about that like what's yes. like an interesting beverage you had in the past week so i had a an oat cookie latte ooh from where from balzac's but the one in St. Catherine's I was not in Toronto I would have found you if I was in Toronto <laughs> I was like did you see me that's what I had this oh, <laughs> you're lying on god that's actually what that was going to be my interest. I went like I'm pretty sure posted on my story too that's what I got yesterday <laughs> not me not watching stories like I'm so bad I turn my notifications off because like all these accounts and I'm like I can't do this yeah so very rare occasions I watch stories like I would rather watch TikTok Like your life is probably interesting but like TikTok's way more entertaining. <laughs> okay, sorry, continue. So the oh cookie milk latte, is that what you just said? Yeah, something like that. Okay. Like cookie cookie oat milk latte. Okay, very cool. Um I so I'm I'm on this app called Ritual and I, I love it. Yeah, I love Ritual. I'm a huge fan of Ritual. Um and so the promotion that I received was a dollar drink iced coffees or a dollar drink coffees Ooh. for the week. So I was like, let me go get myself a dollar coffee from any of the coffee shops that are like offering it here around the city. So that's what I decided to do and I went to Balzac's. So can you go to many different ones or do you have to pick one? Can you go to one different one each day and get your coffee covered for the week? That's actually a great question. Um that's I can tell you, tell you that answer. You will be hacking the system. You know why? Because capitalism. Oh my goodness, I can. So it's that's I just it. can't I can't return back to the same sp- That's a lie. I can return back to the same spot. 
go back. So this offer, <laughs> oh wait, no, I lied, I lied, I lied. So I, I can't return back to the same spot, but I can go get the offer from another store. Okay, so it's kind of like a scavenger hunt. It's like it, a, yes. it's a cafe hop. It is a cafe hop. It is a way for me to get my steps in and walk around and Perfect. go discover a new cafe. Why not? So I think it's a great, I, I love that little promo. They used to do dollar lunches when I first got the app. That was oh, a deal. God. That was a deal. I haven't seen that in a really long time though. So sounds like a deal. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyways, I guess I shared my, my special drink as well. And also um, a hack, if you live in a city, I, I probably, it's all probably useful to me, but if you live in like a real city that uses this and has like tons of cafes, like check it out. Yeah. And I think ritual is great for that reason. Cause like, honestly, like it beats and I, and like they stay true to their value, right? Like, you know how sometimes like Uber Eats and stuff, there's extra like fees and whatnot. And obviously with this mm-hmm. one, you just, the only like caveat is that you have to go pick it up yourself. And I don't think that's a big issue. Like summer, leave exactly. the house. The end. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I love you. Okay. Um, with that though, I think today's conversation um, is going to be a conversation for everyone to hear and listen to. Um, we're going to be talking about toxic masculinity in our 20s. So, wow. Yeah. All right. With- <laughs> I was like not trying to make it awkward. I was like, I promise you, it's it's gonna be a fun episode. We have a guest on here, and I think he has obviously, like like you said, he's not an expert, but it's just having that other opinion on here to kind of like pick at each other's brains. So I think it's a it'll be a good time for us to just chat and listen and kind of hopefully learn something from this conversation. Yeah. I think that I think that's the goal. Yes, let's dive in. All right. Hello, everyone. We are so excited to bring this new episode. Today, we have a special guest with us, actually. Um, It's one of my good friends, Josh. So Josh is a recent Bachelor's of Social Work graduate and an incoming Master's of Social Work student. Um, A lot of Josh's social work is specialized in palliative care, terminal illness, death and grief, and inclusion and equity and diversity. So um, personally, I've known Josh for God knows how long. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I want to say over 10 years, but I could be wrong. Um, So it makes me super happy to have him on this podcast also because like I've seen him grow into being the man that he is today. Um, <laughs> specifically just like, I, I'm excited. Like, you know, it's always fun to have conversations with you, Josh. Like personally for me, like I think you bring a lot of value to the table and the work that you do. So um, it's important and it needs to be discussed. So today we are going to be talking about toxic masculinity in our 20s. Um, but, for, oh, but before we dive into that, um, Josh, tell us a little about yourself. Sure. Well, first off, what an intro. Thank you. <laughs> Got <laughs> always you. Nice, always nice having conversations with you. Um, yeah. So a little bit about myself. I was born and raised in Hamilton, Ontario. Let's um, go. Of course. Born at McMaster, studying at McMaster. <laughs> just a McMaster fan here. Um, and my parents are both South Asian immigrants. Uh, so they came to Canada at a pretty young-ish age. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool parents. Um, I can yeah. for that. Yes, they yeah. are. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And yeah, so I went to McMaster to do my bachelor's of social work. Uh, like you said, a lot of my work during my undergrad was around terminal illnesses, death, grief, palliative care. Mm-hmm. Um, and I completed a placement uh, working in an oncology unit and then also did it at a hospice. Um, so a lot of that kind of work is what I'm geared towards. Um, but also I'm very much on the side of like equity, diversity, inclusion, uh, talking about race, racism, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So at McMaster, I, it, during my undergrad, was kind of co-facilitating a group called United in Color. So okay. it was for social work students of color where we mm-hmm. kind of get together outside of white social work spaces to kind of talk about that stuff. Um, and then also have to shout out Maltza being a wellness <laughs> rep there, which for those who don't know, McMaster Mulyali Student Association. Uh, so working on ways that we can dismantle uh, mental health stigma and all that kind of stuff within our own community. That's um, amazing. I uh, didn't know that you did that extra work with like within even like this space, I guess, outside of like, you know, white social workers. Cause I know that's yeah. something that's very much so needed. And I also want to kind of acknowledge you for that. Cause I think it's important to like discuss that and talk about it too, because I think that's the same thing when it comes to mental health spaces as well. Right. Like you yeah. see that there is a prominent, I guess, more dominant obviously within like the white space versus say, for example, POCs and black and indigenous folks, right. Um, yeah. taking up that space. So um, how was that for you? How was that journey? Uh, in the social work sense of yeah. things? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you look at social work, social work is a job that was based off of white saviorism and mm. created by white women um, way, way back in the day. Yeah. And it was um, almost targeted towards people of color um, and towards um, just disenfranchised families. Mm-hmm. Um, and so growing up, and kind of thinking about the role of social work and wanting to be a social worker and people asking me well like that's a white woman's job like why are you doing it right and it's like true because it's like yeah it's like not adding up because how often do you come across a brown guy being a social worker correct um <laughs> and how hard is is it to find brown social workers these days i would i will say now it's obviously growing in that population um but like it was so hard to find back in the days in back in the days even meaning like a few years ago it was hard to find a therapist of color um and so kind of navigating that sense of like what's my role being a brown social worker and how do i do this without being tokenized or being the voice of social workers of color if that makes sense right right so now that you know we kind of got to know you a little bit better josh uh i'm kind of going to dive into our topic that we want to discuss today so um we wanted to talk about toxic masculinity you know specifically within our 20s um because I think it's a good time to bring this topic up like you know for our listeners both for we obviously we have both males you know females and everyone in between in that sense of Mm -hmm. like you know just like because I'm just like thinking about it I'm like it's one of those things where it's like everyone's impacted by it, right no matter what community mm-hmm. you're part of like whether you're like you know whether you're heterosexual whether you're homosexual you are going to be impacted by toxic masculinity and that's why i was like especially within today's day and age especially within our demographic of being in our 20s i think it varies because you have those who are in their early 20s who might be quote unquote more woke than those who are in their late 20s kind of borderline getting into their 30s mm-hmm. mid 30s whatever so 
they might have a different perspective as well when it comes to toxic masculinity. So I think our specific age group of 20s, I think is actually even broad, like, because I think everyone is going to have, be on a different spectrum. Everyone's going to have different viewpoints, right? But at the end of the day, toxic masculinity is not a new concept. It's been going on for centuries, right? Like, um, we know that from research, like, this is something that the term was maybe more so finalized in the 80s. But that being said, we come from a misogynistic culture, you know, Mm -hmm. we are, we've grown up in it, right? Mm -hmm. So, and that impacts, obviously, men and women. Um, So I guess, like, you know, with that being said, um, how would you define toxic masculinity? Yeah. Okay. So before I start defining, first thing is I don't know everything. I'm not a master of all. (laughs) This is definitely a conversation. That's it. Yeah. Definitely just my thoughts, plugging that in. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. So if anyone's listening, go follow Josh on just my thoughts. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I'll start by saying that I think toxic masculinity, first off, is that men are not toxic and masculinity is not toxic Mm -hmm. um to start with that and toxic masculinity i think is a two-part thing so first you have to look at what masculinity is which is kind of hard to do when masculinity is societally constructed Mm -hmm. um and there is such a spectrum of it Um, but i think if you're looking at what society defines masculinity as it could be things like being a good leader it could be things like uh being the provider in your family being the financial provider um being the breadwinner being stoic being strong those are all things that uh society deems as masculine Mm -hmm. i think what makes it toxic is when um there's too much of it uh so for example when it comes to uh being the provider in your family or being the financial provider Mm -hmm. that can become toxic when you put all your time and effort into that sector of your life and therefore become emotionally unavailable to your kids or to your wife or don't come home to them at certain hours because you want to or you're putting your time and energy towards other parts of your masculinity um, and therefore harming other areas or when it comes to wanting to be stoic so when you have a problem or challenge in your life and you keep it to yourself you keep it all bottled in Mm -hmm. for the sake of you know not wanting to share with others or not knowing how that eventually becomes harmful because the bottle is going to get full at some point correct Um, yeah and again that becomes harmful to others Mm -hmm. or like if you are a leader if you want to be a good leader in certain areas or certain communities that can be toxic when you become an aggressive leader or an argumentative leader mm-hmm. or um, yeah, different things like that. So I think that is when the toxic part comes in with your masculinity. Um, I think toxic masculinity itself is a byproduct of living in a misogynistic patriarchal society mm-hmm. and the toxicity comes from the societal standards and gender norms that have been placed on men. Um, yeah. No, I agree. I agree like 100%. Um, I think you summarized it actually in a really well, excellent way because um, 
I was reading like this other New York Times article and the way that they said is like um, what researchers typically say that like behaviors and beliefs of toxic masculinity or traditional toxic masculinity ideology are all things that you Mm -hmm. mentioned like the things that they said were um suppressing emotions or masking distress and like that's what you're referring to when you know when you said they're being stoic right and um the other part is like maintaining an appearance of hardness Mm -hmm. um and another part is like violence as an indicator of power so thinking Mm -hmm. about like you know that tough guy behavior yep um and so like the way that it was phrased here was that um toxic masculinity is what can come of teaching boys that they can't express emotions openly and that they have to be tough all the time quote-unquote yeah. um, that anything other than that makes them quote-unquote feminine or mm-hmm. weak mm-hmm. and that no it doesn't mean that all men are inherently toxic so that's exactly kind of yeah. like what you were yeah. bringing up and it's always funny to me that the moment you're not tough it's like oh you're feminine uh-huh. right like and uh-huh. that's I'm literally like I always want to just be like y'all women are so tough if they yeah. can push a baby out of their vagina they are tough. literally yeah <laughs> just remember that yeah <laughs> like, yeah that's all I got to say <laughs> so to continue on what you're saying about how um I guess females like females are strong and when we say men are weak it's like or when you say that you're not being tough, it's like, oh, like you're being um, a female body part, as some mm. would like to say. Mm. Yeah. And so then it goes into another thing of like, why do you equate the female body part to be weak? Mm-hmm. Or when you're saying like, oh, like, let's go skydiving. And then you're like, oh, I bet you don't have the right. organ part. And then why are you equating that to what's strength, strength and courage and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think that's what we got to start bringing back what Dr. Prana said earlier and just be like, grow a pair of ovaries. That's yeah. what we're going to say. That's what yeah. we're going to say now. Because what? <laughs> yeah. I remember when she said that and I was like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like the overall, like, you know, premise of toxic masculinity is something that I think unfortunately does continue today. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But from your personal experience, uh, when and what was your first encounter with toxic masculinity? Okay, so the earliest memory that I can think of has to be, and this is like engraved in my mind. I remember I was in grade five mm-hmm. and we were on the gymnasium and we we're like waiting in our bus lines to like go home. And this one guy who's from my neighborhood, I remember being like, we we're like pretty good friends. Yeah. And I remember he told me, he was like, you're not being a man enough because you have too many female friends. Wow. And then I remember being like, like, what does that like? What does that mean? Like, do I have to have a certain number of male friends in order to be a man? Does it mean that I can only be friends with the female if I'm like wanting something out of it? Like, right. where is this coming from? And then when I think about, for example, my sister, <clears throat> sorry my sister she had a lot of male friends growing up like majority of her friends were all males yeah um and then I'm like well what's wrong with her having friends that are males than like me having friends that are females like where is this all coming from um and I would say that was like my first encounter that I can remember of toxic masculinity but if I even think of just growing up as a kid and you know, crying or getting sad over certain things, whether I got hurt playing basketball or I fell off my bike, mm-hmm. you know, it's always like, boys don't cry, like man up, like right. you're fine. Just get up and keep on going. Yeah. Um, 
which is something that you know for the people who said it is something that they also grew up with and again yeah. it's something that is societally constructed um but yeah that's a form of toxic masculinity but I, <laughs> another part of this for me when it comes to toxic masculinity is i've had a pretty unique upbringing in the sense where i had both my mom and dad until the age of 12 mm-hmm. and then my dad passed away so i was raised with a single mom right and so i think that's when i really saw the i guess how gender norms and toxic masculinity intertwine because when i think about when i had both parents my you know dad's job of barbecuing mm-hmm. of cutting the grass mm-hmm. of paying the bills of bringing the car to the shop when it needed an oil change or calling the plumber for any reasons around the house things like that then after he left it was my mom doing everything like right. i was basically racing my mom barbecuing my mom cutting the grass my mom going to the mechanic my mom paying all the bills you know right right and so i think that's when i really saw how like socially constructed gender is mm-hmm. and how it's so degrading to women in the sense of like you're raised thinking you can't do these things until you're forced to be the one who has to do it I kind of wanted to address something that you said also like you know how you said that your sister had a lot of guy friends Mm -hmm. um I think like I can relate to that too because that's me but I will say that like I'm sure your sister probably heard some comments too like I feel like even Shanna too my sister as well um I think it's like the same thing in that sense where it's like we do hear comments slyly like you know Mm -hmm. like not from our friends itself but it'll be Mm -hmm. like jokingly like oh that's a red flag if a girl has too many guy friends yeah like, yeah 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 yeah. so i mean it is like it is said both ways for and sure it's 100 it's yeah. super annoying like i yeah. i agree with you like i think it's one of those things where i'm like i think we need to learn from each other like i don't uh-huh. think uh-huh. Like, to me it's actually a red flag if you only have guy friends or guy it's friends. a red flag yep. that you have only girlfriends like i yep. i mean like obviously it's like one of those things where it's like it could be it could obviously at the end of the day if you have a diverse group of friends like god bless your soul like i think that's the way to go and if you don't like obviously again it comes from i'm speaking from a like a place of privilege and i acknowledge that like i am surrounded by a diverse group of people where i can kind of relate and be able to do that but if we're specifically just talking about you know being made fun of for just having a higher number of girlfriends or having a higher Mm -hmm. number of guy friends i i think we need to move past that yeah and i think um Another part of that, not to uh, dismiss your comment whatsoever, but I think when uh, a girl has too many guy friends, she's labeled as being a tomboy. When Mm -hmm. a guy has too many friends that are girls, he's labeled as gay or whatever it may be. Right. You know? No, I get it. And so like when a girl plays soccer, it's like, oh, she's cool because she's a tomboy. Mm. When a guy likes to go shopping or likes clothing it's like oh he's gay Mm. you know Mm -hmm. okay yeah i'm over that we're over that (laughs) we're over that (laughs) we're so over that mentality yeah i can't i mean and that's that's where it is that like that's where toxic masculinity comes in. yeah 100 percent. and that's exactly where it is i'm like yeah what's wrong with guys dressing well can we normalize that please can we normalize like girls do you want yeah do you want a guy that doesn't have style like (laughs) no i would prefer very much that you can dress yourself do you want a guy who like cannot cook like what do you want (laughs) no because i can't cook so we're both starving (laughs) like like, that's what's happening here 
know um and i think like yeah no i think that's totally fair and it's unfortunate that like you know you you had to face that at what what age you say 10 Five. five that was five. oh grade five oh, grade five. Oh my god yeah so you were ten five. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was like oh my god kids at like five <laughs> whoa <laughs> no no grade five yeah, yeah okay great uh, oh my god grade five that makes more sense it's definitely when things kids are mean kids are mm-hmm. so mean kids are so mean yeah i forget how Crazy. many kids can be <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and yeah. okay so i kind of wanted to just talk about another fun part of this topic um mm-hmm. i don't know if fun's the right word i don't know why it was fun <laughs> maybe it's because i'm like panicking about touching this part of it but <laughs> the cultural component right yes yeah. yeah so the cultural component that's added on to toxic masculinity which i mm-hmm. think maybe we can probably specifically talk about when it comes to south asian culture like i don't know if we can touch upon other cultures mm-hmm. uh as much but i'm sure it is kind of prevalent in that sense as well um where do you kind of see that impacting younger boys right at a young age to where they are right now Hmm. yeah okay so i'm gonna recall some memories that i have going back to india um and one specifically is what the routine is when it comes to dinner time. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I remember is the men would first go to the dinner table and open up a bottle and start drinking while the women are in the kitchen cooking. Mm-hmm. And then once the food is ready, the woman will come, bring all the food on the table, bring all the plates and everything, and the men would eat first while right. the women sit aside or the women watch or the women bring more food. Right. And then once the men are done, the women take their plates bring them to the sink and then come back to eat what's left. Mm-hmm. And so I distinctly remember after I was done eating, I would take my plate and slowly walk to the sink. And they're like, what are you doing? Like, you mm-hmm. shouldn't be do- like, sit down. Like mm-hmm. you don't bring it to the sink. And I was like, what do you mean? Like I do this at home all oh, the time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, just let me bring my plate to the sink. And they're like, no, like just sit down. And I'm mm. like, okay, that's weird. Uh, that's weird. That's suspicious. Sorry, that's a TikTok <laughs> reference for Pallavi. <laughs> She's going to love that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's weird. Um, and so I think thinking about the ways in which, I guess, a lot of misogyny and toxic masculinity come into play just in their everyday habits. Um, Something so simple as just sitting down so for dinner. Yeah. 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 And then I also think about the way that Indian men drink. And so mm. I have a fact here, which was from like a 2020 article. Okay. Um, the first part says that India is the world's ninth largest consumer of all alcohol. India consumes more whiskey than any other country in the world. Surprise, surprise. Of course surprise, it's whiskey. Surprise. Brown and, liquor. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 1% of those consumers are women while yeah. the rest are men. And so I think at a first glance, you're like, well, hell yeah, like we're the party people, like blah, 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 you know? But then when you really think about it, it's like a lot of these alcoholics, it's like, where is this stemming from? Um, So you can think about intimate partner violence within Mm -hmm. uh, South Asian households, which is, I wish I had a stat on it, but I know it's fairly high. Yeah. Um, And then when you also think about you know, the uh, ego that South Asian men have 
and that when they need something or when they want so for example if they need something they're not going to ask their neighbor they're not going to ask their friend because it's um emasculating their image in a way yeah or when something like i said before is challenging or there's a roadblock and you know they're bottling all those emotions inside they turn to alcohol and again there's no clear statistics towards this it's just my assumption of putting two and two together right right um but i think a lot of that alcoholism and all that kind of stuff is so much in correlation to toxic masculinity um because men don't have healthy ways to cope with things it's it's like yeah it's substance abuse right like it's mask it goes back to the whole masking your emotions it goes back to bottling it all up in except this time you're using another bottle right yeah Yeah. to kind of release those emotions rather than releasing your own bottle that you're holding onto inside um exactly and and no and i i think i i think that's a very fair point but like i'm quickly looking up like statistics and it's like one in three women in india are likely to be subjected to intimate partner violence Mm. of either physical emotional or sexual nature and that's high that is so high one in three of one our population like of our population like let that sink in <laughs> for a second one in three and isn't india like one of the largest population yeah i'm pretty sure it's right after china <laughs> yeah. saying facts, like, so. yeah. i'm pretty sure it is yeah like, like and and you know what's scary about that omg okay ew i just said that oh my goodness it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, it says here that out of like so we know that one in three women are likely to be subjected to intimate partner violence but mm-hmm. only one in ten of these women formally report these offenses God. so that's even scarier that's even scarier about, and then yeah no go ahead go ahead and then i was gonna say and then trying to think about how many of those reports actually follow through exactly that was exactly know? yeah like if we actually get an investigation going or like how many yep. of them are actually silenced after this yeah. Um, but anyways, for those listening, it's from research published online through the Journal of Epidemiology and Community Health in India. So, yeah, um, this is very scary. This is very scary. And it's just um, and even for like Indian women, it's very difficult. And there's so many challenges for them to even talk about it or to open up about it towards others because there is such like a family image that they want to mm. maintain. The, uh, I feel like the this wonderful is family other topic yeah <laughs> but it all it all intertwines like it I does. think that like that's the yeah. part that's kind of scary is that like if we think about the whole family image part right like in a typical heterosexual family or within like a South Asian household right like mm-hmm. again toxic masculinity can be witnessed there as well because you have that predominant male figure right like yep. again this is very much so an example not every family is like this anymore no. but um in terms of like you know typical examples that are still unfortunately going on right like that is what we see right we do see that that ego that family image mm-hmm. that like you mm-hmm. know we can't let others know what's going on we can't actually be honest even with our own family members right yeah. like you you see so much of that there's just so much importance that's put on to image and yeah, it's like so much and, it, and it's kind of terrifying because like yeah because then that translates to kids and yep and kids don't know any like i i mean like kids will learn right kids will regardless like at the end of the day it comes down to that individual to be able to learn and to understand and to know mm-hmm. where they fall within this line but oftentimes you see that if you grow up in that environment you tend to stay within that environment you tend yep. to think that's the norm 
Yep, right. Exactly. Unless you were exposed to new environments, unless you were exposed to other ways and realizing that, again, this comes back to that whole idea of like, you know, <sighs> bursting that bubble, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's, it, mm-hmm. I think the it comes with privilege being able to step outside of that comfort zone. I think we're lucky enough to witness and to know that there's more out there. Yeah. Um, and then that's what kind of creates that change, right? That's how you slowly start healing generational trauma like this isn't this isn't like an easy topic this isn't like again like you know I'm sure there are a lot of people who have been faced with what we're talking about right I think a lot of us can relate to this a lot of us can be like yeah we've witnessed this within our own families yeah we've witnessed this within our aunts and uncles like we've seen relationships crumble or like or we've seen relationships crumble from the inside but on the outside to everyone else it's perfectly fine exactly right I think the difficult part, which you mentioned, is that this is so generational and that the toxic masculinity portion has been so normalized within brown culture Mm. that it's hard to call out like what is toxic and what is normal to them. Um, And a lot of people don't realize it is. Yeah, you raise a really good point right there. You know? Because you're right. Like what we might seem to be or deem to be toxic to our great-great-grandparents are probably just normal. Yeah, normal behaviors. Yeah absolutely Um, yeah whoa that was a moment right there (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i think the cultural aspect definitely brings like a whole other spin to it um yeah so another part which i thought about when it comes to uh toxic masculinity within brown culture is thinking about bollywood movies um and so when you think about bollywood movies and you think about uh the main guy or the love interest when the movie is directed or scripted by a male it is shown that the main guy in it or the main love interest is this macho hunky shirtless uh, six pack eight pack exactly all that kind of stuff (laughs) one that's usually more aggressive a little more physical right um a little more tough Mm -hmm. um because they or the people directing it which are men Show that this is what being a man is. And Mm. that's the way they're portraying them. But then when you look at Bollywood movies that are directed and scripted by females, it's funny to see how men are portrayed because the love interest is typically a guy who's just your average size, wearing your average clothes, who's just polite to people, works a regular nine to five, (laughs) and is just your like normal human being. Um, and when you look at like the guy friend groups within them, they're also just like your everyday friend groups that like, you know, aren't tough, aren't mean, aren't like homophobic, like none of those stuff. Right. Um, and then when you look at even the female interest in Bollywood movies directed by men, the female is always wanting, uh, what's the word? They're always needy or mm. usually in clothing that is more exposed and wanting to, you know, it's very like much sexualized. Kind of yeah. Yeah. So much more sexualized. And then when you look at movies directed by women, scripted by women, the women who want to find love are just your like average everyday woman. No um, way. And I'm so not- it's really interesting. And so there's an article. Oh my God. I wish I, I think I have it pulled up. It's just so funny to me because anytime someone says something about like, you know, you want to be greater than men or whatever. And I'm like, even if we did, it would take us over 2,000 years to get there. So, oh, yeah. homie, you're yeah. good. You are good. Like, <laughs> you do not yeah. need to feel threatened. 
any yeah. way, shape, or form. And but like yeah. it's like this is me obviously making a joke out of it. But at the end of the day, you said it right. Like you know, all we want is equality. All we want is equity. Mm-hmm. Like it's just one of those things. Like um, I spoke with uh, a prof probably like last year, and she threw out a crazy fact where it was literally like um for women to have the same amount of like leadership positions that men have it's going to mm-hmm. take at least another like close to 300 years oh oh that's so long. according to like the world economics yeah it's like close like, it's like, it's like 200 yeah. it's like a, it's in the high 200s so yeah. i'm like just hearing that you know it's probably going to take another two more centuries just for us to even yeah. have equal number of leadership roles as yeah. men yeah. have like that should be an awakening I'm yeah. like, you shouldn't be afraid to call yourself a feminist. Like, I yeah. don't think it's, I don't think it's a bad thing. I like, no, it's just, not at all. Like, why just, aren't you a feminist? Is my question. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then just going back to your fact, the fact, or yeah, going back to your fact, thinking about it's going to take 300 years for a woman to have you said an as equal many, number, oh, an like equal eight. number. Okay, but then where does pay come? Are women still going to be paid less than men when it oh, comes to that? Oh my God, I don't even know the you answer know? to that question. Is that going to take even like another three hundred more years? Potentially, like right? I don't, I don't see pay grade to be the same, even if yeah. we have the same number of positions as men. So, isn't the equality of opportunities just the bare minimum that we should have? <laughs> no, like, you're right. You know? Like, yeah, it is the bare minimum. That's actually just the bare minimum. Why, why is it taking three hundred years to reach the bare minimum? Oh my god, that was such a loud sigh. Yeah. This mic is gonna definitely capture that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. you're right. And so can we <laughs> can we normalize saying that I'm a feminist? Please and thank mm-hmm. you. Please and like, thank you. Yeah. With your chest, please and thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. What is some advice you may have to males to overcome toxic environments where they may not be able to fully express themselves or support others that you know they're part of their life whether they be like part of the lgbtq community male mm-hmm. female whatever it may be um what's some advice that you may have i mean at the end of the day you have to surround yourself with the people who are going to uplift you for who you are right um and so okay so i'm gonna again think back to my years growing up still growing up but think about my younger younger so <laughs> I uh like I used to play soccer I used to play basketball I used to play badminton I used to play volleyball um and if I think like did I really enjoy those spaces playing no what did I like I like the social aspect and that's why I did it right but then when I think like did I like going to hip-hop classes loved it did I yeah. love being in the kitchen I love being in the kitchen do I love going shopping I love going shopping and so even though like I'm doing all these things that technically a masculine man would not be doing Mm -hmm. it's like who's going to be there to support me at the end of the day because I'm not going to create a mask or another version of myself just to please others when you only have so much time left on earth you know and I think this is a lot or a lot of this is coming from my work in palliative care because a lot of the people I talked with are on their like deathbed. They have a few more days left, a few more hours left. And so talking to them, the one thing, or I think the main thing they always tell me is like, you're in your twenties, like use this year to be who you want to be, like do what you want to do and like stop letting other people like come in your way, you know? And it's exactly, it's true. And it's, 
cheesy, but it's true. Like you only have so many years. Why are you going to do it in an environment that's not going to let you grow and that's not going to let you be happy with who you want to be? So. Oh my God! I think that was our yeah. quotable moment right there. Quotable moment. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I agree. Like yeah. I think. Oftentimes we forget, or we get stuck in that like moment of us just being like, "Oh, I have my whole life ahead of us," but like also at the same time, like you don't know what's gonna happen you, tomorrow. You, you really don't. don't. Yeah, you really you don't. Really don't. And yeah. like I think if you are finding yourself in an environment where you can't truly be who you are, I'd say do your best to get out of that environment.、Mm-hmm. Like you know, and sometimes your best advocate is yourself. Like be open. Be so open. Yeah. I, I think that's like one of the hardest things that we're all learning is because、yeah. like. And I, I know we've discussed this previously, even with our other guests. It's like you know, when you're in your twenties, this is technically still a time where you know our minds are still malleable. Like we can still、mm-hmm. like, the more open you are, and hopefully like like as we continue to grow, we're still gonna stay open. But it's、yep. gonna be harder to right because、For、by、sure. then you will also build up your own like perspectives and you build up your own ways of like viewing things. But yeah, I think yeah. the challenge that we all need to remind ourselves is like as we continue to grow as human beings, as we continue to grow older, is to like remind ourselves that like it's a constant growth. Think with that, I'm going to ask you my next question, which is、okay. how do men, especially、mm-hmm. those in their twenties,、mm-hmm. be better allies and champions to the women in their lives? And towards other men, in order to get rid of this toxicity.、Mm-hmm. Um, first thing is, like, don't be afraid to call your guy friends out on things.、Mm. Um, like, yeah, don't be afraid to do it. If they're your friends, they will open up and have a conversation with you and talk about it、yeah. and navigate it. If they're not your friends, they're going to come off in different manner, and that tells a lot about the person.、Um, but don't be afraid. To challenge,、um, and don't be afraid to like speak up on those things when you're with your other guys.、Um, I think when it comes to being better allies for women,、um, think about the spaces that you're in. Think about the spaces that you occupy.、Um, when you're in a meeting, how much are you talking? How much are you letting the other people in your room talk? The last thing, a hundred percent, is just respect. Right. Um, and I think respect, especially when it comes to women,、um, like especially when you talk about consent, like no、mm-hmm. is no boundaries. Yeah.、Right. Um, and a great analogy, which I learned on TikTok as well,、um, <laughs> is the bee analogy. Have you heard of it? I have not, have but explain、okay. away. So if a bee were to sting you, okay, it's going to hurt you, and then.、Oh. The next day, when you walk around and you see a bee, you're obviously not going to want to be around that bee. You're going to want、right. to walk away because、right. you know the pain that it has inflicted on you. Correct. So, same situation. When a woman says no, there's reasons why she's saying no. You don't have to question it. You don't have to persuade her.、Um, there's a reason why she's saying no. So, respect at the end of the day.、Um, I think that's what that comes down to. And getting rid of the toxicity when it comes to toxic masculinity. I think is it's just like be yourself. So cheesy, so cheesy.、Mm-hmm. But no one knows you more than you.、Mm-hmm. Um, there's no other you but you.、Mm-hmm. You gotta be yourself. You're gonna regret it if you're not. You're、Oof. gonna regret it if you are gonna do things to please other people and not yourself. So, yeah, I think that's ultimately how we have to get rid of the toxicities. Men have to realize it's just. 
be more open, just be themselves. You don't have to conform to societal pressures and norms, you know? I literally was going to say, so one part of like exactly what you said is it's individual men who are going to have to at some point decide Mm -hmm. how to define manhood and masculinity Mm -hmm. for themselves. Mm -hmm. Like it's literally come, this is this one time where we're going to be like, hey, individual, meaning look at it from that individual individual perspective from your own lens, your own perspective, how you want to define it. Because if you're confident enough in who you are, if you're confident enough in what you put out to the world, everyone else is going to listen. Like, it shouldn't matter. Like, honest to God, if you can sell me something so confidently, that means you know who you are. And I think the other part about being in our 20s is it's okay if right now you don't know who you are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Use this time to figure out who you are. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. if, If something feels off, if this doesn't feel right, use this time to figure out who you are. Yeah. You know, like I think it's totally okay to have that quarter life like crisis. I think it's totally okay to have. Doesn't matter where. You know what? <laughs> like, a- even if age we, truly doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It truly doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Like the whole purpose of this is to, for us to continue knowing who we are, to continue yeah. realizing, continuing to like refine it, right? Yeah. And like, don't feel some type of way of being like, oh, I don't think I'm my full self right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? We are still learning. We are still kind of figuring that out as well for ourselves. But yeah. at the end of the day, if you're not trying, I think that's the issue. I think mm-hmm. the issue is if you're not trying to be your true full self, like that's where things come off a little foggy. That's where yeah. I know, you know, you aren't you aren't putting your best foot forward. And sometimes like, you know, when it comes to discovering who you are, I think you should always try and put your best foot forward. Whether you're in your early 20s, mid 20s, late 20s, and you still don't know who you are, I think that's okay. I think the important yeah. part is that you're doing things to continue discovering who you are, right? Like, yeah. I, if you can stay true to that value and that core momentum and keep that going and keep pushing yeah. with that, I think that's fine because I think your life purpose can also change, right? It might not 100%. always have to be yeah. just one thing, yeah, right? Yeah. So I think it's just coming back to that point of just being able to like sit down, reflect, mm-hmm. realize, and be like, okay what's my purpose now? Like, what is it that I want to do next? Or what is it that I want to work on myself? Toxic masculinity in relation to grief and death and the role that men play when it comes to uh, the loss of someone in their life, um, whether it's their partner or as child or whoever it may be and how men deal with grief. Um, And so it's a possibility. I'm not too sure yet, but that's where I see myself going if I'm looking towards the next year um, with this line of work and this specific topic. So saying Chai in her 20s is going to get a reference or like you know, <laughs> some type of credit uh-huh. in this paper because I would like to say there was yeah. maybe some potential inspiration in that exactly. thesis topic. <laughs> I'll have to pull some quotes from here. <laughs> I think that'd be a great yeah. thesis topic. I know for a fact I would love to read that paper if you do dive into it. I'm sure there's definitely like literature research out there. So yeah. I'm going to wrap it up with our last question for our listeners which is okay what is one advice you would give to those in their 20s i mean it's hard because i'm very early in my 20s and that's what i love and that's what what i love about that i know i I feel Uh like i I think it's important to kind of emphasize that josh is in his early 20s (laughs) i'm in my early 20s and i would say um my piece of advice would be to stop living in judgment um stop living in others judgment which i think we kind of 
queued up before. We did, um, yeah. But I think that's something that's so important in your 20s in general, no matter what it's around. Yeah, I would say that's my one piece of advice because I think the moment I stopped living in fear of what other people are going to say about me is the moment that I embarked on this journey of like, finding who I am which sounds so cheesy but just finding you know like who I am as a person I think started by that perspective I absolutely love that I think that was (laughs) something that I needed to hear actually this very Mm -hmm. moment so um okay I'm gonna I'm going to remember that. Honestly, I was going to be like, I think the other part, I was going to be like, man, for someone in their early 20s, you got way more wisdom than I do. So. Not at all. <laughs> um, so I genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, Josh, thank you so much for coming on with us today and having this conversation. Taking time out of your day to like, just be real with us and yeah. sip in this chai. Cause I think we absolutely enjoyed having you on here. Oh, I'm so honored to have been here. I've been a China 20s fan since day one. <laughs> wow. Listening to that conversation, like I know I couldn't be there, but like listening back to that, just wow. Yeah. I'm so glad that you thought that because I was like, obviously 100% missed you, just an FYI. Uh, (laughs) And I know for a fact Josh missed you too. And he definitely did a great job of giving you that TikTok reference shout out. So, you know, carried on on that tradition for you. It was was iconic. It was amazing. (laughs) Um, We shall shall meet. I shall figure out who this Josh is. I don't have to look a face to him, which is so funny. But I think he's so like eloquent. And yes. the way he communicates, like I don't know, yes. how, like I don't know how to explain it, but yeah. it's like butter. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. just keep talking. <laughs> I I agree, and I think that's one of my like favorite things about him is like I even said that like even his actual writing piece, like I want you to check out his Instagram later, like I'll send it to you. Even like when he like puts his pieces up for just my thoughts, right? Like it's obviously a little bit he- like a little heavier to read, but like he's done it in a way where it's a slide format where it's like you kind of you want to make sure you kind of read through the whole thing, and. Mm. Even in that, though, what I loved about it is just he articulates his thoughts really well. And that's something that I appreciate about him. And it's not an easy thing to do, right? Like, I, I know we all have thoughts, but I think it's an art form to be able to articulate it and deliver it in a manner where it's like like what we learn when we're younger, but actually being able to execute that. I think <laughs> Josh does a good job of doing that. I think Josh did a good job of just articulating the different angles to it. There's... I mean, he opened at least my eyes in between as well. Like, you know, like for right. him, like there's a part where he talks about um, it's different when a guy has a lot of girlfriends versus when mm-hmm. a girl has a lot of guy friends, right? Like, I think you and I have talked this before. It's like, oh, grown up being Tom girl, sorry, tomboys. And like that, but like, even though we don't really use that term in it anymore and we don't really associate ourselves like that, but that used to be more so a compliment. It's, I feel, I feel like that's, that's so tragic, right? When you kind of see that materialize so I I think it's tragic like the whole analogy that was sort of brought up and I think it also kind of related to this expectation that men are like aggressive and violent and like that's seen as something like they should strive to be and it's like I don't think we live in like the the pre-industrial era or like you know like back in the day when like you needed to go out and hunt even then like did you know that like 
the gatherers collected more food than the hunters. Hunters. So it, and gatherers were usually women. So it's like, yeah. what were you doing as usual, yeah. weighing us down? No, I'm yeah, kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but I think it was just like, I think it was interesting to hear like the conversation around that expectation that that men face because I think as women we look at kind of the societal expectations that we usually face. And we often talk about it on, on the podcast as well, but I think it was really good to get like that perspective of the male. Mm-hmm. And then also like you had mentioned, the whole idea around having it be culturally competent and recognizing that it's passed down from generations, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I think it's easy to look at someone and be like, why? Why do you behave that way? And like, we don't necessarily think about the societal impression that's been made Mm -hmm. on that person and like the impact of society but like another part of me goes but we are society you know what I mean like who is society like all of the people who are going through this generational thing are also society so it's like are we all just encouraging each other and then also when he talked about like the other guy being like you have too many friends who are girls Mm -hmm. like that in itself is like your own like not your own like we're all our own we're all humans but like yeah somebody who you would expect to maybe like support you was kind of like tearing you down for that yeah yeah Yeah, and I think like he also had brought up a part about like you know where gender norms and like gender roles also play a role into this but in a cultural sense as well right because I think we were able to speak to the South Asian culture. And mm-hmm. I think he drew back on his experience of like when he went to go visit India, like family or whatnot. And how, um, like when he's here, like he brings his own dishes to the sink, does his own dishes. It's like, you know, whatever. But the way that he had explained what was going on there was that, you know, like the men would sit down for a glass of whiskey, whatever first, and then the women right. would bring the food to them. Um, and then it wouldn't be like typically till the men are done or like they're almost done that the women start eating. And then like, Josh himself like when he tried to bring his dishes to the sink they were like what are you doing what are you doing like leave that there right so it's like one of those things where you realize that even something as something as simple as unfortunately like there's gen like I guess I don't even know how to explain that properly because it just I think again this is part to what you just said with society right so and how we put certain genders within certain roles and like kind of leaving it within that yeah literally gender roles right like that's literally what it is and I don't know where it started (laughs) like I I don't know like the history and the evolutionary context but I think times have changed I I don't know how to like I don't I I think different cultures are going to catch up at different times Mm -hmm. with that being said I think there are cultures that have like female like a matriarch, right? Like a lot of indigenous cultures have like an older female who kind of is able to kind of guide and be that leader within the group. So I think it's like the cultural context is so, so important. Yeah. And then we touched upon, obviously, like, you know, at the end of the day, like, um, does toxic masculinity like impact why men are you know maybe afraid to call themselves feminists or, you know, what can men do to be better allies? Not only to other women but to other men right and mm-hmm. then he brought up the whole analogy of like you know the the stinging bee right like so once you're already stung by a bee right like that's typically what happens like women like if you've already experienced it right you're mm-hmm. gonna avoid that bee again right you don't yeah. want to you don't want to feel that pain you don't want to feel that hurt so he kind of did a great job of tying in consent into this whole topic as well exactly there were a lot of parts that were like definitely touched upon um that i thought were important and 
at the end of the day, like, I think the key thing that Josh and I both agreed on was like, when it comes down to defining masculinity, it's mm-hmm. not something that society should do. And that's what we said. It was like, it comes down to that individual man, right? Like right. you, you get to define what masculinity means to yourself. You get to define how emotionally you want to be, how vulnerable you want to be. Like you do not need to depend on others, right? Like at the end of the day, you yourself are your own person, own it. Right. I think that's what like the conclusion. I love that so much. But at the end of the day, I think society, we need to work as a collective to also reduce stigma around. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I I do think there's, you know, there's so much you can do by having a positive mindset by waking up and being like, I choose to feel today Mm -hmm. when like society is literally bogging you down and making you feel inferior for feeling. So I think there's like a, a bit of both. I think there is some individual power there. Um, but there's also the societal power. And I think that's important to also and acknowledge. Think, and unfortunately, like as much as you say that, but like, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, though, it's those who break free from it who are able to be their truthful like selves. Yeah. Like society is always going to be bogging us down. It's like at the end of the day, though, it does come up to you to be like, all right, how much am I going to let this affect me? Yeah. Society like, is toxic. <laughs> what is toxic? Toxic society. Toxic is society. title <laughs> of our next episode. I'm kidding. I like this whole time. I can't stop thinking about the song "Toxic" by Britney because be don't you know? That you're not... <laughs> I think it was a great conversation. It's an important topic to to tackle, and it also makes me think about like toxic femininity. Like, is that a thing? I think it's more of like a toxic society. Why not? Like, I feel at the end of like, the day, like toxic femininity. Though, like, I'm thinking like girl boss gatekeep. Mm. like you know like Mm. how has that led to kind of like obviously it's good I think it was really empowering for women for a while but I think there's now like a counterculture to that saying that it actually might have also caused harm to to women's mental health and burnout and and all that stuff so I think I think there's like another episode yeah (laughs) now we gotta get a a female toxicity (laughs) expert we can kind of speak on it but I think like Mm -hmm. you know it'd be fun too I think the point around like that constant discovery I think it's important to also recognize that like our life experiences and our interactions are also going to continually evolve us right into Mm -hmm. hopefully better people so it's important to just stay open like whether you're in your 20s or whether you're in your 60s like being open to the idea of change and being open to relearning things about yourself that you might not have had the opportunity to come face with Mm -hmm. um, when you were, you know, in your teen years or in your 20s or 30s. So I think it's important to just be open to that. And I know it's easier said than done, obviously, like how annoyed do we get when there's like a slight change in our schedule and like a meeting goes over time. (laughs) Like it's hard, but like, oh my God, there's a new software I need to learn. Like I'm out, I'm out. That's it. I quit. (laughs) If you're a fellow male listener listening, like we hope that this sparks some conversation with you and your loved ones or with you and your friends, because like Josh said, like, don't be afraid to call out your guy friends. Like, honestly, like at the end of the day, like if you see something going off, like it makes it a lot easier if one person says something and preferably if it's a man saying it to another man, it's received for some reason better than if a woman were to You're say right. it. You're right. You are so right. It's like, see something wrong, do something right. Yeah. Like- <laughs> <laughs> so with that, 
like always, thank you so much, everyone, for listening in on this special episode. Um, and a huge thank you again to Josh for taking time out of his day to join us on this call. And like always, please continue to uh, subscribe, listen, share our podcast with your friends and family. And we hope to hear you all, hear you all. Oh my goodness. Hope that you will hear us <laughs> next time. <laughs> um, and continue sipping that chai and help us spill the tea. We'll see you guys next Bye. time. Bye.